Welcome to the Bikepack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring. You'll get insight into various cultures and countries around the world. They'll share fantastic stories of their journey, and through mine and my guest experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike touring and considering going on a tour, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. If you're already a bike tourer, I hope my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode. This is a ride cast and I will be going over the Log Driver's Waltz, a pretty big gravel route that takes you through the Ottawa area, I'll say, because it's on both the Ottawa-Quebec side, um, almost all the way to Kingston kind of thing, not quite that far. It took me about a month. No, it's not been quite a month. Oh, it's been pretty close to a month. About a month before I got around to recording this. Uh, I think when you finish a massive route like that, it's not a good time to to lay out everything that's going on in your head because you're probably angry at the world still, especially when you're doing what I did and that's trying to hit an FKT, which means you basically don't sleep for trying to get a fastest known time FKT. So let's talk about the route. The route's 797 kilometers. I think that's after the latest little update because somebody put a gate across part of the KMP trail where it's private property and now you have to reroute slightly. The elevation gain is 7,160 meters. Now that can always go up when you make mistakes and get lost slightly. 85% unpaved, 15% paved. Uh, this is quite standard for the region as all that area up around Mont Saint-Marie, you, you kind of get stuck on pavement quite a bit and it can't be avoided and that definitely drives down the numbers. So for that one short section, when you turn on to Chemin Mont Saint-Marie or Lac Saint-Marie Road or whatever it's called, until you get up towards Pog and Dam, there's you're on and off gravel and paved and yeah, can't avoid it. So starting point officially for the route is Almont and obviously it is a loop and the end point would be wherever you started. Some of the major highlights of the ride are the Lanark Highlands, which is uh, down not too far from the starting point. Calabogie, some really great riding up there. Obviously, crossing the Ottawa River is really cool. Uh, rail trails, you get to hit a fair bit of rail trail, which is um, nicely spread out, so you're not on rail trail too much. Lots of backcountry gravel roads, and we're talking, you know, some stuff that's not so hard 
to some really, really challenging gravel where it's um, pretty soft, slippy. You're going to spin easily. Big rocks on the trail or road or whatever. Um, yeah, some good challenge there. Uh, what else? Mont Saint-Marie, Gatineau Park, and of course the Pogan Dam or Pogan Dam. That's a huge hydroelectric plant uh, up the Gatineau River between Gracefield and Wakefield kind of thing. And uh, yeah, downtown Ottawa. How can I miss that? Ottawa, huge highlight of the ride, especially coming across the Alex, is it the Alexander Bridge? Yeah. And um, it's wooden slats and stuff. Really nice. All right. So my plan, as I mentioned, was to achieve an FKT. That is a fastest known time. Uh, what gear did I use? I used for this event, I, I didn't use a frame bag. I used the restrap arrow race seat post bag and the restrap arrow bar bag and as well as a top two bag. So I didn't have a ton of stuff on me. In the seat post bag, I carried all my spare parts. In case people are wondering, I'll just go through that really quickly. Spare tube, tire lever, CO2 cartridges, sealant, tire plugs, tie wraps. I had a first aid kit there, so some bandages, alcohol swabs, medical tape, uh, Tylenol, ibuprofen, and caffeine pills were in my top tube bag. Uh, spare clothes that I had, a pair of socks, a rain jacket, emergency bivy kit, uh, sorry, emergency bivy bag, and um, that's it. That was my clothes. Food I put in my front bag, and in there I had jujubes, a couple Snickers bars, maybe a bag of cherry blasters or something. I had some breakfast wraps I made at home that were combination of eggs and bacon or eggs and sausage. And, and then I also had some sweet wraps that were like peanut butter and honey. So it wasn't a ton of stuff in that front roll. And in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have used it and I should just put a frame bag on, frame bag on but I didn't. So, oh well. In the top two bag, I had sunscreen, chamois cream, wireless headphones, a USB-C cable, a micro USB cable, a little tiny 5,000 milliamp battery, and a knife. All right, so let's talk about the ride. On this ride, I started in Venosta, which is about 50 kilometers north of Chelsea. Now I live in Chelsea, and I figured I kind of wanted to get the Mont Saint-Marie and Gatineau Park stuff out of the way at the start. In hindsight, I think I should have started in Almont as per Eric's recommendation of where his starting point is, because I feel like the gravel roads of Almont through the Lanark Highlands and then up towards Calabogie and that whole section were way harder. And doing that when you're tired and maybe running low on food and stuff was not a good idea. So we'll talk more about that later. I started Thursday night, 8 p.m. I started by riding up the rail trail to Gracefield. Got there just after nine. I didn't need food, so I just topped up my water bottles I should have carried like a collapsible platypus or something as well for what I was trying because there wasn't a whole bunch of options for topping up water and water was something I struggled with that first night. So after leaving Gracefield, I made my way down to Mont Saint-Marie just before arriving at Mont Saint-Marie, the, the paved road. Um, I saw a garage. I asked them I could fill up my water and I used a hose and topped up all my bottles. And then I started riding, made my way through Mont Saint-Marie and all the big magical hills of Denholm towards the Pogan Dam, crossed the dam up through, which is goes to low. And then I started winding around up through there. And it was still only like three in the morning or so, 3.30. And I was starting to run out of water. And I should have uh, really put a lot more effort into finding a water source, getting off my bike or going down some embankment in the woods or whatever when I heard water, but I didn't. 
Anyways, I survived. I made it to Wakefield by around maybe six in the morning, five something in the morning. And I filled up my bottles at... Now, there's two spots in Wakefield that are really good. So if you're in Wakefield and you need water, one is, and I forget what it's called, but there's a outdoor gear equipment rental place. They rent out kayaks, mountain bikes. Um, I think it's Expedition Shop or something like that. Anyways, they have a hose on the front of their building that they use to clean equipment and gear. So I just ran the hose for a minute and filled up all my bottles. And that worked out really, really well. Alternatively, you can go just a little bit further And uh, when you hit the stop sign at the southern end of Wakefield, if you turn right and you go up about half a kilometer, there's a spring water source there. That's where everybody fills up their big bottles for camping and stuff. So natural spring runs 24-7. But when I saw the expedition shop, I figured I don't need to go that far. I'll just fill up with this hose. So that worked out really well. After that, I started to tackle the Gatineau Park. And it takes a while. I think I was in the Gatineau Park for... Let's say five hours. Um, I think I exited the Gatineau Park more than five hours. Anyways, I was in there a while and it was humid and hot and that is just the way it is. But all in all, a really great ride through the Gatineau Park. When you exit the Gatineau Park down at the bottom, you ride along the riverfront trail on the Gatineau side till the Museum of History. And then you cross up onto the Alexander Bridge. Is it Alexander Bridge? I think it's Alexander Bridge. And um, yeah. Really cool. Great views of Parliament Hill. And um, just, yeah, just a really, really nice way to enter the city. Sorry, it's the Alexandra Bridge. I knew it didn't sound right. Alexandra. Then after the Alexandra Bridge, you start riding up the Rideau Canal on Colonel By a little bit, then Queen Elizabeth, all the way up to Dow's Lake. Um, I used to go to Carlton, so I know that area well. Through the uh, Experimental Farm area. And then you start to, you know, wind your way up along various different bike routes. Now, this is all pretty much paved. And that's just because there's no choice. I mean, you're going through Ottawa. So that these are the two main sections of paved for the log driver's waltz. One is a fair bit of it around Mont Saint-Marie. The other one is going through Ottawa. So you're on paths, bike paths, but it's paved. And that is life. If you don't like it, stay at home. There's some really, really nice uh, riding through Bell's Corners. I had never even seen that route or heard of it until I was on it. And I was like, whoa, what is this? This is fantastic. So good job on that for sure. And that route will bring you all the way to Stittsville and ultimately to Carlton Place, where you'll then start making your way up to Almont. Pretty good. Not too bad. It was fast, fast going, easy Great riding. I was riding that during the day. It was probably, let's say, 16, between hours 16 and 20-ish. Let's say 18 and 24, that kind of thing. So yeah, it uh, it was nice. It was daytime. I think I got to Almont, which is the official starting point of the route at maybe 7 or 8 p.m. And that's when the real challenge started. And that's why I think in hindsight... I would have started in Almont and taken on this challenge of the Lanark Highlands, not knowing how hard it would be and done that earlier. So anyways, um, for those of you guys planning to ride it, I do recommend sticking to Eric's route and Jen's route, I should say, I should add, of starting in Almont. Anyways, the Lanark Highlands were really cool. 
I was riding through night, so it was a little bit better. And I did have a chance to to meet some people along the way that could fill up my water bottles. Whenever I saw bonfires, I would just stop and people would give me water. And that was great. I had people offering me beer. I had to turn them down. It kind of made me sad. I was like, yeah, if I have a beer, I'm not going to go anywhere. And you'll just be picking me up out of the grass in the morning. So, yeah, overall, um, I made it as far as Charbot Lake before I decided to try to take a sleep or have a nap. And honestly, that was tough. Where is Charbot Lake? I'm looking for it. There it is. It's on Highway 7. Always surprises me that it's on Highway 7 because you drive down Highway 7 and you see a sign saying Charbot Lake, but you never see the lake. And when you're on that bike rat trail, or when you're riding through Charbot Lake, you're like, man, this is a big ass lake. So it, it is there. Anyways, you get to Charbot Lake. At the lake, I went into the little pavilion. It's kind of an old one, beat up. But I decided to have a sleep there and I just couldn't get any sleep. I stopped, set my alarm for an hour and I think 30 minutes later, the mosquitoes were driving me nuts and I just couldn't do it. So I got up, had a little bit of food. Now this was my next mistake. It was so early, nothing was open. Even the gas stations as you're leaving town weren't open. And all I had left in my bag was one Snickers bar. I had some jujubes, maybe one third of a bag of jujubes. Uh, I mean, pretty big bag, but... And I think I had two or three of these peanut butter and honey wraps. So this was a mistake. I should have stocked up massively for food and just bought a ton of stuff. And I didn't. I don't know what I was thinking. Probably I was just kind of tired and I didn't think about it clearly. Now, the second problem I had here is at this point in time, my body also decided to to not want to eat food anymore and that instead it would be more interesting to just cause acid reflux every time I ate something that was sweet or whatever. And so I would eat food and it would make me barf and acidy too. And I had to go from this point in time, which was about 6 a.m., until I got to Calabogie and it was a lot harder than I expected. So maybe part of that too is just I didn't have a good food supply and it seemed a lot harder because my body was weak. This part of the ride is where I had the most negative thoughts where mentally I almost um, I almost gave up. And I got to Calabogie probably at around 4.30 in the afternoon, maybe 5-ish. And every time I thought I wasn't that far away... Uh, the roads that the log driver's waltz was taking us on were just absolutely killing me. So part of that was, yeah, I just, I just didn't have a good energy supply and really surprised I just didn't quit. But hey, I didn't and I did manage to finish with the FKT. Oh, spoiler. Anyways, got to Calabogie and I stopped at the Redneck Bistro. I could have just as easily gone across the street at the Calabogie Brewing Company. Now, this is just slightly off the trail, but like literally a couple minutes. And I ate the Calabogie hoagie, which I'm still not quite sure what a hoagie is, but it was awesome. It was possibly, if I have to think of one particular moment in my life, that might have been the best meal I ever ate. But I'm pretty sure that my taste buds are influenced by the fact that I was starving to death and I was slowly eating my insides up way so um 
Yeah, I'm so glad I found a restaurant. And then also just slightly off the path is a corner store, the Bogey, the Bogey General Store. And I went there and I had a massive ice cream cone. And then I also bought some wraps and food and snacks and like proper, proper stuff. What I should have done in Almont. Before continuing on with the podcast, I just want to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventures sponsors. Bike Tour Adventures is proudly sponsored by Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat posts paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Use the checkout code BTA15 on their website to save 15%. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as a main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used their race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Use the checkout code BTAPOD10 to save 10% at checkout. Lastly, named after the animal that roams the Tibetan plateau, Chiru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Mangin in 2009. After noticing the lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. Thanks, and back to the podcast. So that was really, really good. Honestly, one thing I don't get that I think I would have done differently is when you leave Kalapoki, you're on Murphy Road, and it is paved. And quite a bit of it was paved. It wasn't really overly challenging, but you could have just stayed on the rail trail. And I think it would have been better just to stay on the KMP trail there until you don't need to be anymore. My personal thoughts, because the pavement was boring. But I was lucky because... When I was on that road, I was getting really, really tired. I think having just eaten food and my body digesting, I was just slowly, slowly sinking into a food coma. And I saw a house on the side of the road and I could see them outside. And I just went over and said, hey, guys, you know, I told them basically what I was doing and how crazy it was. And I said, can I can I put my bivy bag down somewhere in your yard and just have a 45 minute nap? Like it is a nice, safe place where I don't have to like worry about anything and they said, yeah, no problem. And actually, then they came out and said, hey, why don't you, instead of using your bivy bag, just go into our camper trailer and have a nap there. And it was amazing. And um, I set my alarm for 45 or 50 minutes. I think I probably only got about 45 minutes sleep or 40. And I was out like a light. Just, man, I died. Woke up not too long later, really hot, sweating my butt off. Um, got out, quickly packed up the last stuff, put my shoes back on, my helmet, arm sleeves, all that fun stuff. And then I went over to them and they said, how do you feel? And I said, I feel 100 times better than I felt before I went to sleep, but I probably only feel like I'm 50% alive right now. So yeah, it was a, it's a tough one. But, uh, leaving Cal Bogey, I felt once I got rolling and I, oh, I was so good, I felt great. And then I slowly started winding my way towards, I believe, Renfrew. And for this, yeah, they take you some, through some really nice um, routes and stuff and some nice roads and trails. And I, I really enjoyed that. And then from Renfrew, making your way towards Portage du And these roads were excellent. I think it had to be 
probably 10 p.m. or something by the time I crossed that. And from there, you're not too, too far away from Shawville. So you just cruise on up to Shawville and you get on the PPJ. So from uh, Shawville to Campbell's Bay, you follow the PPJ and then you turn off it and you start to hit some of the uh, tougher Quebec side roads. Not too bad. There's some tough climbs, but there always are when your legs are tired. And all of this, actually, I should add, was exacerbated by a massive blister on my butt. And I got that in the first 12-hour night. I think I was just kind of, my as I was pushing up the hills, my body was sliding a little bit on my seat. And up towards the top of my butt cheek, I had a blister. And that made it really, really hard to ride for another two days. But I did, and I managed it. But what I think actually here happened is I, I really kind of mastered the sit still on the bike and pump your legs technique as opposing to like using your body to also help you pedal up a hill. And um, I started to be able to crank out some really good watts and push up some hills that really surprised me. Yeah, and I also had to be really careful when I was in uh, the forward position on my aero bars and um, position my seat and my body correctly on this. But I managed it. And there were lots of times where that really, really sucked. But anyways, say la vie. Yeah, so slowly making your way from Campbell's Bay towards Ladysmith. And then from Ladysmith, some pretty tough gravel roads through the backcountry. All the roads up in this area are pretty tough. And you make your way towards Danford Lake. And from Danford Lake, I was not too far from the end of the ride. So from Danford Lake, you head up the main road for a couple kilometers on paved. And this is a, a busier road. So if it's daytime, there could be a lot of traffic. But then you turn right onto Chemin Jingletown. I just love that name. <laughs> I've ridden that several times now uh, for various just outriding up in that region. And it's hilarious. But anyways, you, you do ride down Jingletown and you know you're almost, like I mean, I knew I was almost done. I knew I had like 10 kilometers left and all of a sudden I'm fully awake and I was just pounding it and it was so good. And I made it back to Venosta to the, um, to the rail trail where my car was parked and I hit my button and that was it. And I was so thankful to be done. At the time, I think I, I hated the route and I was so angry. But I think in hindsight, a lot of it had to do with my food intake, well, just tiredness levels. But I think uh, I think there is some merit in starting in Elmont and uh, getting through the rough gravel sections first. Although there is some pretty rough gravel on the Quebec side too, I feel like it's not as difficult as the stuff through the Atlantic Highlands and Calabogie um, backcountry roads there. So that is my ride. In the end, I finished in... 59 hours with the FKT, beating out the previous FKT by a full day, slightly plus. And uh, yeah, that was really, really tough. It I started my drive home, which was probably a horrible, horrible idea. Um, that's when I really started hallucinating more. I saw a sign on the side of the road that looked like a guy carrying a kayak, and I couldn't figure out for the life of me why somebody would walk down the road, the highway with a kayak. I saw cars just going off the road. It was foggy out too. That's made it even worse. Uh, cars driving off the road on purpose. Um, couldn't figure out why they'd do that. So I was driving at around 50, 60 kilometers in a 90 zone. Uh, people behind me weren't too happy. 
And just a few minutes later, I decided to call my wife and say, hey, can you come pick me up? Uh, this is totally, totally unsafe. And so I had her meet me, drive me home. And we came back um, later that day and picked up the car once I was rested and feeling better. So yeah, highly don't recommend uh, riding your bike while hallucinating is kind of fun. It can be fun. Driving your car while hallucinating is just stupid. Don't do it. Um, anyways, that is my experience on the Log Driver's Waltz. All in all, a really fun ride. Just thought I was finished and realized I missed a couple little things I wanted to talk about. First one is what kind of bike do I recommend for the Log Driver's Waltz? Having ridden it on a gravel bike with 45C tires, I think... I would highly recommend you stick to wider tires as per the recommendation by Eric and Jen. I think 2.2s would be ideal just to be able to get that extra traction when climbing some of the looser gravel roads and also just to help absorb impact on descents. So yeah, as a gravel bike rider, I, I particularly like riding with drops more than I do with flat bars, but if I was uh, using a gravel bike that can take plus size tires, get something bigger on there up to like 60 mils, that'd be 2.2 inches, would be perfect. If you're using a mountain bike, well, then you have front suspension as well. You got a little bit more weight, but you're going to have a cushier ride and you're going to feel better overall with uh, the impacts. So yes, Eric and Jen's recommendation is good. Would I do it again on a gravel bike with 45C tires? Tough call. If I was out to hit an FKT... Maybe, but I would be inclined to to try to uh, ride something with bigger tires, but preferably with drop bars. So something like um, Curve GMX Plus uh, would be amazing. Yeah. Last thing I want to talk about is just my overall impressions of the route. I was kind of editing what I had written and recorded previously and making the final touches. And I thought, oh, I didn't really give an overall impression. So overall, I I enjoyed it. Um, well, that's a lie. I hated it at the time, uh, only because I was pushing my body to, to its uh, limits. But the route itself is really good. I mean, that's what you're out there for. Get off the beaten path. So check. Uh, lots of gravel roads. Check. Some really cool places to see, new places around the, the capital region, Czech, including the capital, downtown Ottawa. So it kind of ticks off all the boxes. But for me personally, I like single track. I love getting onto mountain bike trails. Um, and that's the one downside in this region, as opposed to southern Ontario, where the BT700 is, is our single track options are limited. So I think that's just a... That's just something that's prevalent throughout the area. And yeah, you just kind of have to deal with it. It's just the way it goes. So for those that just want to get on gravel and ride and see places and challenge their body and hang out with friends and camp and do all those fun things, it's perfect route. It's great. Especially if you're not as experienced on a mountain bike in mountain bike trails that can prove quite challenging. I, I think the log driver's waltz is... Especially good for people that are newer to bikepacking um, that might not have the experiences of single track riding and just the control of the bike because it's a whole different ball game once you get off a road and onto trails. So I think uh, the Log Drivers Waltz does a really good job of making a route that's viable for people. And there definitely are some challenging areas like 
Gatineau Park. So there's a lot of that. And definitely, definitely some of the non-winter maintained roads that Eric has thrown into the mix as well. So they are there. I just like more. But it's very hard to find up here. So all in all, an excellent route. It's great to see the growth of routes and stuff throughout Ontario and Quebec. And uh, yeah, with people like Eric um, pushing forward and making routes, it's it's going to help things. So good job, Eric and Jen. And I enjoyed the route. Yeah, stay tuned for next episode. Hope you enjoyed it and keep on pedaling. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated and keep on pedaling.